one of these days I'm going to start at 10 and you're going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> you got to you got to master another language. Ichi, ni, san, yon, go, roku, shichi, hachi, kyu, ju. You fucking asshole. <laughs> This is the Console Crusade Podcast, the Minnesotan Boy Podcast. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Okay. I'm trying to just uh, rearrange my notes here before we really go balls deep on this. And I'm going to ask you, Nick, because I don't know. We got Switch Lite to talk about. We got games we've been playing. Do we do Switch Lite, then Zelda? Do we do Zelda, then Switch Lite? Do we just do we just say fuck it and start with Borderlands? What do you want to do? Tell me about what you've been playing. I feel like I'm the only one who ever talks about what I play because... You're such a busy boy that it's so rare for you to get wrapped up in a video game like you have. All right. I've been playing a lot of stuff. Uh, aside from the occasional Fire Emblem, I'm still doing my Blue Ry- uh, Blue Lions playthrough. Blue Ryans. Yes. That's going. It's going very slowly, but it's going. I'm making progress. But a couple things I bought last week, which is much to my girlfriend's chagrin, both Borderlands and Zelda. Both of which I've been playing. So Borderlands three specifically, correct. And Link's Awakening specifically. Yeah, in case in case you didn't know that, if you if one of the twelve people who listen to this podcast, you know exactly what we're talking about. For posterity's sake, it's good to good to mention the actual title. For for those of you listening in twenty sixty nine, these are the games we're talking about. Nice. By the way. <laughs> By the way. Nice. Ow! What episode <laughs> is it, Nick? We made it to the weed number. We did it. <laughs> Wait, I thought this was the sex number. <laughs> it can be both. <laughs> if you take two corncob pipes and lay them just right, they also look like the number 69. Oh, happy Ooh. day. Hey, we did it. 69 episodes, a lot of episodes. Only took us three years. But hey, that's okay, man. We do it at our own pace. And again, this isn't about anything other than just keeping up with my boy, talking about our hobby. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. There we go. Just like... Borderlands 3. Oh my god. Okay, listen to me. You haven't played a ton of Borderlands. I know you tried it out. You had a play group, but it was it wasn't your thing. I went nuts on Borderlands 1 and to and in Borderlands 2 to a lesser degree. I never beat that one, but I played a lot of it. And I had a great play group for the most part. This was back like right when I started college, so I had all the time in the world. I would literally wake up, eat breakfast and play Borderlands all fucking day with a bunch of my brother's unemployed friends. So it was a good time. When they weren't playing League of Legends. Right. Or uh, Rocket League. Rocket League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> so Borderlands 3 came out and it's interesting. And I, I don't know. This isn't going to be a comprehensive review or anything, but I have a lot of thoughts about the game. Some good, some not so great. But I'll say after putting in probably, I probably put in like 15 hours this weekend. I had a buddy come over. Uh, he brought his TV. We did the whole land party thing. And then I went to his house the next night. Same thing. And we, we, Got pretty far. I don't know, man. Like the the gameplay itself is as good as it's ever been, and so that's great. When you're in a a full group of people and you're trying to, you know, you got these mob mobs rushing at you. Like it always feels like you're just getting over the hump, and then it gets oh shit again. And it's so frenetic and exciting. Like it's really cool. But there's so many quality of life things that are almost unforgivable, especially considering how they changed some of those things from the last game to this game, it only got worse. So <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. The gameplay, like I said, great. My first gripe, Nick, 
is there's no goddamn ammo in this game. You are constantly just running out of ammo and running around punching things, hoping to pick up a little bit of ammo. Oh, swap to a different kind of gun in this really obtuse menu system. Quickly see how quick I can change to my heavy that I, you know, whatever. And you come back and, oh, well, my ammo for this is gone now. It just is like you have gun drops every time you kill something, Nick, but no fucking ammo. Do the gun drops come with their own ammo? Is it trying to get you to like use other guns? I actually don't know if, if they do or not. I don't think they do. They, I don't think they do. I think it's, um, you know, you have all your different weapon types and the a- ammo for those weapon types spread across all of those weapon types in your inventory. I just remember in games like Halo where if you have an SMG and you walk over an SMG, you would pick up that SMG's ammo. So I was wondering if it was similar to that or if you'd be like, I pick up this different weapon because I have to shoot with this weapon because the other one's empty now. I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's a little frustrating too because you have to manually pick everything up. That sucks. Do you have to do you pick up uh can you pick up ammo for guns you don't have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right, there's just there's just not enough ammo. And that's that's kind of the first I wonder major if issue. The if the ammo is not scaling with the number of people you have. Well, so in this game, and this is kind of a cool thing actually that I, I really have liked so far. In the old games you had to have a, a play group who stuck with your level, A, right? And in B, you guys were all fighting for the loot. So if you had one asshole who wasn't doing any of the work, they were just running around spamming, you know, Y or whatever. What, what, what console am I playing? I'm playing on PlayStation. So yeah, whatever, triangle, triangle or, or square, whatever the fucking button is. And they're getting all the drops and not doing shit. That's really frustrating because it was shared loot. In this game, you have a couple options. One is you can play on normal or easy mode. As far as I know, it's a personal difficulty and and doesn't affect everyone else's playthrough. So that's cool. And then B, you can choose that there's this new mode. Um, there's like classic Borderlands mode and then this updated mode where all the enemies scale to your level so you can play with someone who's beaten the game and the difficulty is going to be comparable for everybody and there's going to be no like weird, you know, level cap or conversely if someone is playing who someone new is playing with a playgroup who has been playing for 40 hours, they can rush to the end of the game with them and not, you know, just get fucking killed by everything. It's keeps it balanced and it makes it fun, especially now as we get older, like I'm playing with two other people who have very different schedules from me and from each other. So we, you know, Brandon and I can play together or Andrew and I can play together and then we can all hop in together on on a Sunday and we're not really skipping a beat. Like we don't mind, you know, Borderlands, you don't play for the quest. I don't care if I'm replaying a quest as long as we can all play together and the difficulty is comparable and, you know, because there's nothing worse than you guys are all over leveled and you got the one guy you're trying to drag through who's constantly dying, who's not doing anything. And it's just like, it's miserable. Yeah. We're not that at the age anymore where we can be socially pressured to keep up in a game. Cause that was like part of the fun of those kind of games was like, Hey, I'm going to like make a Smurf account and like play with you and we're going to work through this together. And that was like, another motivating factor to keep playing the game was to like catch up. Sure. But that's not a good motivation now that we're, you know, we're in our late twenties and we got fucking jobs and bills and (laughs) our game time has to be like fun the entire time. Right. So, I mean, it's nice because there's more fun games now than there ever has been, but we can't also just like waste a lot of time grinding. Right. It's which is why auto battle in fire emblem three houses has been such a revelation on my second playthrough. Yeah. Wonderful. So, so some of that's good. The ammo thing's obviously bad. And then there are a couple of weird things they did with like the new hub world is this fucking spaceship and you go from planet to planet. 
but like there's so many little nitpicks fast travel we have fast travel now and some of those systems are ridiculous like we couldn't flat fast travel back to our ship because we didn't activate the fast travel point on the fucking ship so it's like telling us to fast travel back but we fucking can't like it totally and i was like what the fuck is going on here and we literally spent 15 minutes just goobing around being like how the fuck do we go back it's telling us to do the thing that we can't do and so we ended up figuring out one of us, one of the other guys who was in our party ended up having it. And so we were able to get back, but it was just like, what a- was it uh, just the party leader could only do the fast travel or was it? Yeah. The way, the way he explained it was that there was like, you had to activate the fast travel point to be able to use it. Yeah. This game seems like a lot of weird hodgepodge, like they messed up some weirdly specific things that are annoying, but it does seem like, like you said that the, the way they- level people together and make sure that everyone is capable on the same squad. That seems like they did a really good job, which I think if you take like a priority list and you look at like the problems it has and the stuff it does, right. I think they might've chose the right priorities for a lot of that stuff. I agree that as far as the things to implement or improve, not excusable for a game that took them like seven years to make. Right, (laughs) right, right. And it's like, yeah, I agree that they prioritize the right things, but then they made all these changes. Like for example, when you're on this hub world, the whole point of being here is just to quickly cash out my weapons, buy some upgrades, get back to shooting things. But instead, you're going through all these fucking unskillful cutscenes. It's like trying to be Destiny a little bit in that sense. And I found myself really missing Destiny playing this game. Shit, man. And I regret not getting into Destiny 2. It's really weird that they would not make the scenes, the cutscenes skippable. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Sorry if you hear that noise in the background. Uh, my girlfriend is getting ready for work. Yeah, so that's silly. So, for example, we're on the fucking ship. And again, all these cutscenes, and literally, I am just dropping stuff off, talking to a character to set up the next plot point to go back to shoot something. I, and we're on the ship for like 25 fucking minutes. And then it's like, all right, now run to the escape pod. And I'm like, can't you just fucking get me to where I'm going? Like, I have to go run through this really convoluted, multi-tiered ship, really tight hallways with, uh, and the mini map in this game is awful. And so I'm like, I don't know where I'm fucking going. Why do I have to like run to the fucking escape pod on the back end of the ship? Why can't you just fucking teleport me to the next mission? Like it's so they're trying to like make this immersive thing. I'm like, this isn't fucking Mass Effect, bro. This is Borderlands. Get me in. <laughs> let me kill shit. Get me out. Repeat. Okay. So that was fucking weird, man. I feel like when I'm playing the game, it's great. But I spent so many of those hours collectively stuck in either cutscenes or just waiting in between missions in a hub world where one person did something, you know, or the party leader talked to all the people they had to talk to, and it took so fucking long. And I'm like, this is taking all the fun out of this game. That being said, again, you you, you log off for a night, and you're like, fuck, I just want to go shoot shit again with my buddies. And so, again, it makes me really regret that I didn't get more into Destiny 2, or at all. I played literally one night. Yeah. Again, my playgroup had dissolved, so it was really kind of a catch-22. I what wonder um, if there's going to be a revival for Destiny Uh, amongst our friend group in particular just because it's going to be free to play soon and there's the cross progression stuff so if people want to hop from one platform to another that's a pretty seems like a fairly easy thing to do i'd be curious i you know none of my buddies except for brennan really played the game and the buddies who did play it didn't get the game like andrew played it but he didn't really get what destiny was all about nor did he get that experience with a big you know play group he kind of went through the story and that was it and that was vanilla destiny i don't know if you played destiny 2 or not i feel like you did but i don't know i just i feel like that's just a part of my life that i run and remember really fondly i had some of the most fun times i've ever had playing video games were yeah during that and year and we've been over this where that was like a time and place kind of thing 
Right. Was, was that the same year as uh, Fire Emblem Awakening? No. Was that your video game renaissance? No. Awakening was like 13 or 14. I want to say 13. Yeah, Destiny was 2014. Destiny was 2015, I thought. No. And it came out 2014. Are you sure? I'm sure you, might, I'm sure you played it more after the first like expansion thing dropped because that's when everyone was like, oh man, Destiny was bad, but now it's good. Oh, okay. It was just the end of 14 and it was Taken King a year later that made the game worth playing. And that's that's when I jumped in was during the Taken King. Okay. So a year so later. So we were both right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. So <laughs> yeah. And then Destiny 2, you know, again, it was one of these things where like, great, you improved some of the things we're talking about, but you made some of these other things that were already great or perfect so much worse. So like, yeah, there are these little quality of life things, and but overall, it was it was a really frustrating 24 hours, and I was like, this is not the game that I fell in love with, and I know it might get there, and as, as far as I can tell, the people who play Destiny, and especially who still do, love, love, love Destiny 2. But I was like, I can't wait another year or two for this game to be worth playing. They should have had this figured out already after years on Destiny 1, you know? I mean, you can always just blame Activision. And now that they're free of Activision, maybe it's worth going back to and checking out. I guess they kind of, the way they're trying to tout their content drops is that the vanilla Destiny 2, it's a lot easier to get to the content of the... uh, individual expansions like it's more of like a hub and spoke as opposed to like there's this thing then this thing then this thing then this thing like you don't have to play all through whatever their bullshit two capital noun named expansions are to get to the latest one you know the taken wolves shadow keep yeah whatever it is god damn it destiny you bungee assholes dude it's so funny how how hard these guys try we talked about it with like you got the coalition and and what was the other? Oh, the initiative. The, is it just the same fucking? Like, you fucking try hard. Just chill out, bros. Chill <laughs> Microsoft. out, you fuckers. Super funny. Yeah, Anthem and Destiny. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So Borderlands Three. It's been um. It's been a, it's been fun, and I'll continue to play if I have a play group. I'll continue to log on and, and shoot shit. But I'm I'm waiting to see if there's like a beginner's sort of curve that we're gonna kind of we're gonna get over the hump here. Sounds like you've already got off the first planet. Which I yeah. think from what a lot of stuff I've heard is like, that's kind of the beginner curve where it's like, oh, it's not shit. super great at the beginning there, but then it gets better as soon as you get to like the second or third planet or whatever. It starts opening it up, start to see the loop a little bit more, you know, like, oh, I, I see this guy. I'm going to go talk to them. They want me to go shoot these things and talk to this guy. And then he's going to have me go shoot some things and talk to this guy. And then I got a gun. That would be great <laughs> if it were like quick. Or that I didn't have to actually go find someone to talk to them. Like, just, just, I, I was playing with the audio off. We were listening to me. Brandon was wearing headphones. I was listening to music on the, on the big speakers and I had no audio on my thing because I, I don't need to hear what's going on. I just want to shoot shit and rock out. But we were talking about it. And it was kind of like, yeah, you can see how they're trying to be these other franchises and it's not working for them. They should have just stuck to what they do well. And I appreciate that. Like, okay, we have different planets, but like so far, a lot of those levels are really linear. Like, r- literally, like, Teeny tiny courtyards strung together by really long linear paths, like like you're walking through a fucking park. At least Pandora is this big open place, diverse landscape, diverse creatures. Like this place is like, all right, same guys are dropping from the sky, same courtyard. All right, walk along this teeny little path. Oh, new courtyard. And I'm just like, I'm not impressed with the other planets yet or anything about that experience. And so far, again, they're just trying to force this... Um, 
like, oh, we're, we're Mass Effect now or we're Destiny now where you have the hub world, all these characters. I'm like, quit trying to make these people characters. I don't give a shit. I don't need all this shit. Yeah, I don't need all this fucking other shit. It's not, uh, especially it's not skippable. Just not not great, not great. So You want to be dumb and fun and easily digestible. Yeah. And maybe it's trying a little bit too hard to not be that, but also be that. I don't know. Like, like you said, I, I'm not super interested in uh, Borderlands, but... Glad you're having fun. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll still I'll go back to it and, and and play if the guys are still playing, and hopefully some of the menial bullshit will will dissipate and we'll just get to the fun stuff. But we'll see. Uh, we've also both been playing Zelda, and I say been playing. I mean, I've been playing it, and you beat it a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, got, all, man. got all the heart pieces. Got all the seashells. Didn't do all the the dungeon stuff with Dampe, but. I did all of them up to the point where he gives you a piece of heart. So, or that last, like he gives you two pieces of heart and then a heart, a full heart piece. Okay. Yeah. I came over on Saturday. I was almost done. I still had to do the final dungeon, which I started and I think I finished while you were there. Yes. And then I was just doing some cleanup and you're helping me out with the, with the map pulled up just to know where the last like 10 seashells were and like the last few heart pieces were. Right. Man, there's a lot of seashells. You got to just randomly dig up a random corner. You don't have to get all of them if you don't want to. You only, I think, trying to remember, I think you only need 40 to get the upgraded sword, which is like the last actual upgrade you get from it. Well, I will not be going full Korok seed on this one. I'll just get what I need to get through the game. Well, how does this game, and I have a couple thoughts. I've beaten the first dungeon, but I want to know from you, like, how does this live up as a remake? How does it live up to your nostalgia? And is it, or does it rather, live up as its own modern take on Zelda at a $60 price tag? For me, it lives up because I love this game and I loved it when I was a kid. And for me, experiencing it again, because when you're a kid, you play through and you beat it once and then you play it again but you don't ever beat it again generally like that's my experience with a lot of games is i'll like i'll beat the game and be like okay i did it and then you play other stuff and then maybe a year or two later you come back to it and you start it back up and you get to like the second or third dungeon you're like all right cool i've had my fill and then you move on to like the new thing because you've got new games constantly coming out so for me my memory is so deeply ingrained in those like first three or four dungeons that after that it gets really hazy and those dungeons like five through eight this game does a really good job of like scaling i feel like where each dungeon does get progressively bigger and more complicated and more difficult so by the time i hit the seventh and eighth dungeon i was like okay these are like actually taxing me as a video game player and as a Uh a zelda fan Uh oh it's like i have to remember where things are and i'm not using the map and like the because you can like place markers on the map which is super cool i wish i would have done that i wish i would have done that especially for staircases to, so i know where staircases go oh, that would have been so helpful oh my god you know hindsight 2020 but this is definitely a game from 1993 you know they don't really change anything for benefits and you know for for uh, its own downfall as well like there are some puzzles where it's just memorization and it's it's memorization of like pseudo optional hints like you have to talk to everyone you have to find the the stone beak in the dungeon and talk to the owl for some puzzles, because so, it straight up tells you like you cannot put you can't 
you have to get past this room and to do that you have to beat these enemies in a certain order and the stone owl will tell you the order so unless you go and talk to that owl you have no idea how to get past this room you kill all the enemies and nothing happens and you're like well what the fuck am i doing wrong and it's a bit obtuse and difficult in that sense but for me i just love this map i love the design of the area and every time you get a new ability it's like or you know a new item you think oh man i've seen where this can be used in the overworld and it makes you excited to go back outside and personally i think the the overworld is more interestingly designed than the dungeons are in a lot of senses because you spend so much time just wandering around and trying to find cool stuff and like the seashells are a great use of that where you see a rock hanging out by itself it's like the korok seeds where you pick up that rock and you find a thing underneath it because it's stuck out and you're rewarded for exploring i think that this game is just so exploratory and that's like amazing for a Game Boy game. And this is still a Game Boy game. I mean, yeah, it looks beautiful. It's 16 by nine. It's all HD. You got great music going on, but in its heart and soul, it still feels like a little handheld Game Boy game. Sure. That's awesome. I love that they kept that essence. Even walking in the eight directions, like that was such a, that was probably a bold decision for them. Like they could have just made it, you know, full 360 degree, but I love the eight way walk. It's so cute. <laughs> the little animation that plays when you just spin around. It's got this sort of claymation stop motion aesthetic to the whole the whole vibe. And you know what's funny? As far as like technically speaking, the game runs at 60 sometimes, but you almost want it to run at 30 continuously, not as like a compromise, but as an artistic decision. Like It would be cool if the animations ran it at a lower frame rate, sort of like how um, Into the Spider-Verse worked. Sure, yeah. To give it that stop motion kind of vibe, but it's still like the motion of the background was still smooth. Yeah. I think they could have saved a lot on its uh, technical limitations if they had done that, which it is a bummer that it does like, it doesn't really stutter. It just has that frame slowdown where it's like, that's an, a kind of annoying. It's noticeable, but I mean, it's never, it was never debilitating. It's not nearly as bad as like the Pokemon games on 3DS were in like battle animations. Sure. I've only played so far on, on handheld, so I don't know what it's like when it gets on TV, but it definitely like switching areas. Even if it's like you literally cross one tile from like the town to the forest, fucking slow down instantly. Yeah, it's every time you, you uh, go into a new area. So it seems like it's not really like it's not too graphically intensive. It's not there's too many enemies on screen. It's just that it's loading a new place. Right. And it, it wasn't very elegantly designed in the back end for that. Which maybe they could patch that, but I don't know if Nintendo is like breathing down Grezzo's neck saying, hey, fix this shit. Right. Which is kind of a, a disappointment because it is such a gorgeous game and it's, just, it's kind of one of the only black marks, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, this is like a minor nitpick, but I wish the uh, the tilt shift blur kind of effect, I wish that was better implemented because yeah. it seems like it's just like blurs the bottom fifth and the top fifth as opposed to doing an actual depth map to like see how close things are and make them blurrier. And then the closer you get to the center of the focus, it's actually in focus. It seems like that was kind of just like a very cheap post-processing implementation as opposed to like a true depth of field effect, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of like that they, they went with that as a, again, a creative decision, but I'm like, is that, no, it's a good creative decision. It's just that the implementation is a little bit poor. And is that, is that affecting the frame rate? Like, I don't know how much a Gaussian blur being thrown over it. If it was affecting the frame rate, it would it would be more universal that the, the frame rate would be chugging. It's just that when you enter new areas, that's the only thing. When you go outside, when you walk from one outside area to another outside area, it doesn't happen indoors, doesn't happen in the dungeons. 
it's only like in the free scrolling locations. Sure. But I'm wondering if it's like, is it a memory thing just because it's has loading or has it, to be, is it because it's rendering those things in the background on top of rendering these effects on top of what it's rendering in front of your face? If you took one of those things away, like, oh, if it actually just loaded from memory instead of rendering in real time in the back, you know, I don't know how it works in the back end for this game, but it's like if you would have shifted one of those things or how it was implemented or, or to you know what degree would it not be as, as noticeable and can it be patched? Probably. Should it? Yeah. Will it? <laughs> Probably not. Also, quick, quick little thing. I love, love the design of the interiors of like people's houses. They put so much like personality into all those locations. It's awesome. I absolutely love it. You go into the witch's house and like her little hut is so spooky. And think about like, okay, the original witch's house was a, you know, not even the full pixel like the full resolution of the Game Boy screen. So you're working with like what 160 by 144 and they just, they got so much out of the Game Boy, but this, they took so much like artistic Liberty and I commend them for it because all the interiors are really cool and have like a lot of personality. You know, it's interesting how games like this scale up and how they translate to a more modern aesthetic and technology. Like people complained that the Pokemon remakes didn't handle that well where you're no, you're you're working off of a single square tile and you're moving from something like Zelda you're moving from tile to tile Pokemon it scrolled but you're working for such a small area the way you design a map is totally different than when you have a, a smooth scrolling giant 16 by 9 and don't forget Pokemon you walked on a tile basis so right. it did smooth it did scroll but like you only could move square by square sure which is a little bit different than Link's Awakening right so this game, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't really have those gripes with Pokemon. I understand how, like, the maps feel smaller and emptier, scaling up like that. It also didn't because you could see Pokemon in the wild, so that really ameliorated a lot of that concern for me. It was just that the towns, the towns were always weird. I mean, they all face south, all these buildings. It's, it's weird. Sure. You, if you walked into a city that looked like a Pokemon city, you'd be like, these people are a part of a cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I never thought about it like that. It's Maybe it's just my nostalgia where... Some of those, you know, you go to fucking, uh, uh, f- not Fuchsia, but Saffron, and it's like this sprawling city, and you're like, oh my God, where do I go? There's like six buildings you can walk inside of. Yeah, it's ridiculous how small it is, and yeah, translating that to a giant 3D game. But it's also these houses are six tiles in size, so it's a lot of, obviously, your your brain's doing a lot of the work. Your imagination is is doing most of the work in a game like that. You got this little chibi guy. It's not supposed to be a one for one representation. Sure, and the remakes aren't either. It's just like, hey, check it out. Imagine if you could actually see your character's face. Right. I don't think Link's Awakening suffers from any of those issues. It really feels like a modern experience in a lot of ways, not just graphically, but it feels like what a modern two D Zelda would do if they were to just make a new one. I agree. Like the dungeon design. I agree, feels dated. I've only done the first dungeon, so I, you know, a lot more coming at me. But I also played through like Link's, uh, A Link to the Past. And I will say about Link's Awakening, something that, and you can tell me if this was Im- implemented now or if this was something I always had, but I am so glad that I have a little bit of direction. You go to a place, you talk to a person, and somebody, like the fucking owl, usually, will be like, this is where you have to go next. Sometimes it's a person that you're forced to talk to, he'll tell you kind of what's next. But it's like, oh, you're going to this fucking forest. Oh, great. That's what I'm going to go do. 
and like links link to the past it's like you literally have no direction after like the very beginning of the game you are just wandering this fucking world finding items and hoping that you run into the next dungeon where this item correlates to like there's literally no direction and it is not fun this game is like all right you done you done the thing you solved the puzzles you killed the things now go here and do it again and i'm like oh great i don't want to waste my fucking time fucking around talking to every single person or doubling back and being like wait it's like, all right, this is where I'm going next, and I can I can live with that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that aspect. was that was in the original, and uh, I've actually seen that used as a mark against it. Like they don't enjoy that. They wish it was more like Link to the Past, where you're just wandering around, Ooh! not knowing what to do. <laughs> bad. My favorite thing about playing the video game is not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> bad. Yeah, I'm glad you had nostalgia for that when you were fucking nine years old and you could spend 200 hours wandering a fucking giant pixel map. Great. Cool. I can't do that. And could there be a more eloquent way than a fucking owl flying in and saying, go here? Maybe. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. And it's not like telling you exactly what you're going to be doing. It just says, hey, go here. Just so you know where to go. Right. And it's it's framed in such a way. And I really think this game is really elegantly written so that the the even the hints like add more mystery. Like you you have questions when the owl leaves you. You're like, what the hell's going on? Why is he talking to me in this way? And I, did, I, that's another thing replaying this game. I love the writing, the writing in these this games specifically is like so top notch. It makes you care about all these different characters. They, all these characters are so diverse and unique and interesting and kooky and weird and like kooky. kind of bizarre and like they're strange, you know, they're, you're like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> so I really love all the characters in this game. Doing it's, shrooms. They're, they're awesome. That that mushroom thing with the, the, the raccoons, like, oh, I've got a very sensitive nose. Like, that is also a very elegantly written sort of hint. Like, oh, I've got a sensitive nose. Probably going to do something to, like, aggravate his nose. You find a powder. It says, oh, it's really stinky. And it's... I, I wish you could just use the mushroom on the raccoon. Yeah. But you have to bring it to the witch to make it into the powder, and then you got to throw the powder. And then it also doesn't tell you that the powder makes flames go on. But if, I could, if you're just trying out all your crap on these torches then like, yeah, you're going to find out that it starts fires too. But have you tried throwing the powder on the, uh, the chewed jellies, uh, the red ones or like the electric, the green boys that uh, electrify you. I have not. No, you should do that. Oh shit. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a go. That was one thing that changed. They, they, uh, they always uh, did this thing, but the, in the original game, it did something a little bit different. Uh, so I beat the first boss last night. Not terribly difficult. Also, it's a boss from Link to the Past, right? Yeah, it's the easiest version of that boss. I hated fighting that boss in Link to the Past because the sword hitbox was wretched in that game. Sure. You couldn't hit it if it was standing right in front of you. It was awful. Hated it. I struggled a little bit at first until I realized I could just fucking shield and stay against the back door. Shield and spin slash. Yeah, I was like, oh God, this is so easy. Because at first, I was like, I'm trying to run around the guy and not get you know, knocked off the fucking ledge. I'm like, dude, fuck this shit. And I was like, oh, I can just hold shield and hang here and kill him. A lot harder than Link to the Past too, because there's a lot more um, pits around the, the boss sure, room. Sure. I, I'll say one thing I did not like about Link to the Past, and I don't know how much um, uh, Link's uh, Awakening does it, but I, I'm not a fan of the really vertical dungeons where you're going layer, layer. And there's one dungeon in Link's Awakening that does that. Okay. I didn't like that. I don't like it's just it's like too much to keep track of, especially with at least now you have markers and it's it's a little more condensed. But in nineteen ninety fucking one, like God damn, you just don't have the systems in place to keep track of this, and it's not it's not fun to go back to now of like oh wait I'm on which level and I push this thing off and I got to jump into this hole. It's just too much for me to want to keep track of. And puzzles are some of my least favorite things to do in games, honestly. 
this is why I think God of War didn't really click with me is like the puzzles aren't even that hard in that fucking game, but I'm just like, I, I fucking am over. I don't have the patience for this. So of course playing Zelda, not liking puzzles is not a very good recipe. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but so far, like I said, I'm only, I just beat the first dungeon and so I'm not terribly far, but yeah, the puzzles in this game aren't nearly as puzzly as maybe some other Zelda games. And you're really limited to the, what kind of puzzles you can do in a top down, you know, kind of 2d Zelda game, you sure. get like block pushing puzzles and like maybe some like contextual use of items. But beyond that in this game, it's primarily kill the enemies, right? Sometimes they they play around with that. Like, obviously they play around with that a lot, but it's a lot more just like you can figure it out just by brute forcing your way a lot of the time in this game. That's my style, baby. I'm a gunner, dude. Also, you get like a little hint system built right in. If you just go into one of the buildings with the phone, you can call up your old pal, old Ryra, and he will give you a hint. He'll tell you, hey, maybe you should check this thing out. Where's my poke phone, dude? I don't need to go to a fucking house and pick up a landline. You're shipwrecked on an island. You think you could just get a phone? No. Shit. You That's get a good sword. Point. That's a good point. <laughs> So Zelda, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I'm still gonna keep playing it. I've enjoyed it. I love the aesthetic. It seems very small, bite sized. It feels it's exactly what I would want out of a a game like this. Seriously, I'm gonna keep trucking along with it. I have been playing it on my Switch Lite, which I picked up on launch day. And I have some thoughts about the Switch Lite, Nick. Yeah, I, you brought it over on Saturday, and I got to put my put my mitts on it as well. It's a cute little device. I mean, we all knew that on the picture based on the pictures itself, but getting your hands on it, it feels good. It's always a little bit different actually holding the thing as opposed to looking at a picture of the thing. Even if you get like, I found like an image that was basically, here's what it would look like if a Vita was sitting on top of a switch light, which was sitting on top of a switch. Sure. And like, it's like a, it's literally a halfway in between the size of a Vita and a, and a regular old switch. Right. Which is, which is a really good size. Honestly, here's the thing. A, it's a really difficult process doing the whole game swap thing. It's not terribly intuitive. And not that this is this is not for us, right? The Switch Lite is not for you and me. We have Switches. This is for children and people who don't have TVs or whatever. I get it. Fine. I'm not happy about it, but fine. So you have two options for sharing games. A, you log in to your Nintendo account as normal, but you have to like manually choose which games you have the cloud backup you get and you got to manually back it up and download it whatever that's a pain in the ass but it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day but you have to have an internet connection it has to check that you're allowed to play this game meaning check that no one else is playing it and so that's it i'm like well if i want a portable console uh, fuck me like yeah, you gotta make the portable your primary because that right. way you can you don't have to use the internet. So that's the second option is to tra- do entire system transfer, make it your primary, re-download everything. I don't think you actually have to make it, uh, I don't think you have to do a full system transfer. I think what you can do is just log in with it and then set it as your as your primary. You just have to go back and like re-download all the games that you actually want on there. I think the transfer just like does everything whole cloth all at once. Sure. But what it does also is it takes the account off the old system. I did that when Lindsay got her Switch. I transferred her account to her new Switch. Uh, okay. So there's just no more trace of uh, her stuff on mine anymore. Sure. I think it even transferred over the screenshots and everything too. Oh, wow. Like it did saves, it did games, and it did uh, screenshots, I think. I, I'm I'm hesitant to do that. You know, I, I really bought this thing like hoping I can finally get Sarah to like play a game with me. Here's your own game system. You and I can play something in bed and like hopefully 
show her that, hey, games are cool. You like reading and you like watching TV. This is the only two things you do. Here's a way you can do both. You know, just learn how to use this little controller. <laughs> you learn how to use a goddamn keyboard. You can learn how to use a controller. She's like, well, I do want one, but I want one that can hook up to the TV because you're always taking your Switch. And I'm like, well, fuck. So the Switch light, I'm kind of like, well, I don't really need it if Sarah's not going to really use it. She wants a normal Switch. Maybe I'll, I'll upgrade mine uh, in the next few months and she can use my old one. Whatever. But the Switch light itself, it's adorable. Like the buttons are a little mushy. The D-pad is not as clicky as I would have hoped for. It definitely feels plasticky, but it's a sturdy little thing. The size is good. The screen is beautiful. It is a really great little handheld. Again, I don't understand. I mean, not, not that I don't understand, but it just feels to me like they should have gotten this thing down to a buck fifty. There's no rumble, you know. There's no kickstand. It's like you guys really went bare bones. For two hundred bucks, we should have TV functionality. We it, it just. I understand, but if it was 150 bucks, you could sell me on, okay, there's a Pokemon machine for fucking children. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's already 50 bucks cheaper than a Vita. <laughs> well, that, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. That's not any, worth comparing. I mean, you can go get a fucking 2DS for, you know, $70. Like, uh, apples and oranges here. I think, I'm, I'm just saying, like, the Vita is the most comparable comparison to this the Switch Lite now. As far as, like, power and capability and, like... All that, but not as far as the games, which is what matters. So, but again, I understand what this is and I really can't, if they think this is their best strategy, sure. But just being sort of objective and looking at it, it's frustrating. It should be a buck 50 or it should have TV functionality. Like it's really frustrating that they, they couldn't hit either of those. So I'm sure you'll see a sale during Christmas and whatever, but it just, it's just the thing the switch was built on, Right. Mm. it's what the switch was built on. It was that it, you have these detachable controllers and you could take it anywhere. It's a portable. You can dock it like the Wii U failed. If the switch was just Wii U two, it would not be doing well. It's doing as well as it is because it is the switch. Yeah. And also a hundred dollars cheaper for just portable. I think that's, that's enough. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's going to sell. It's just again, frustrating because Nintendo's going to say, Oh, well this is what we're going to do now. No, don't do that. <laughs> You know, because I want the Switch Pro. I don't want the fucking Switch 2DS. I don't want the Switch Light Light. I want the motherfucking Switch Pro, dude. I want power. I want Pro Cons. In a, a year or two, we'll get the the new Nintendo Switch, and it'll have higher RAM, and you can uh, spend three hundred fifty dollars on it. Double the RAM from four megabytes to eight megabytes. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to the N sixty four. They're going to sell us a fucking SD card that doubles yeah, we'll the RAM. Yeah, come with a Rumble Pack. You oh can buy a Rumble God. Pack for the Switch Lite. Oh, yikes, dude. <laughs> you plug into the USB-C port. It just goes, wait, wait, wait. It's awful. Now, the Switch, is, the Switch Lite's cool, though. We were having a conversation with the group chat, and our buddy Chris was like, you know, he found a deal for a Switch Lite for a buck seventy or whatever. He's like, should I do it? I just charged it to my credit card. Should I do it? Should I do it? I jumped in and was like, why do you need a second switch? This is the guy, mind you, who spent waited a year to buy like Zelda or whatever the fuck smash bros, right? To save 10 bucks. And I'm like, all right, Mr. Frugal, why do you need a second switch? Cool or cute new tech? Totally acceptable answer. Probably not a good idea to charge uh, a credit card. If that's the only reason, like if it was, Oh, my girlfriend wants to play with me. Cool. You know what? Buck seventy, go fucking do it. Just do it. He's also uh, kind of like a collector when it comes to consoles, so that's probably I get. It. And that's what he said as much. He's a Type A collector brain, bro. I get it, Chris. Totally get it. But it's it's not going anywhere. 
The turquoise Nintendo Switch is not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you're like really into that kind of thing and getting like variants and that kind of stuff, I could see that being a reasoning. But personally, this is like, oh, I have a 3DS, but the 2DS just came out. Should I get that? Like, no, you have the better thing. Yeah. Don't get the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're wasting money for something that's for saving money. I would get it. Like I bought the new Nintendo 3DS, the small version, when they, they released the Pokemon Anniversary 3DS. I was all over it, which, of course, I sold uh, not long after because I realized I'm paying all this money just to have swappable faceplates. You know what I mean? I get that. If this was a special edition console, sure. But like, you're going to buy a fucking gray Nintendo Switch or whatever. Like you have, you fucking have the thing. Like you said, you have it. You don't need. So whatever. It's a cool little unit. I'll probably keep it. I'll probably, I have it. I'm a, you know, I'll probably keep it. I've been playing in bed every night and I've really enjoyed it. It is a lot lighter. It feels really nice to hold. It is a lot lighter. I can't get past the mushy buttons though. Like the mushy buttons on a pro controller, the, it's all about like the tactility. It's like the resistance and the throw of the button. And it's just not right on the, the switch light from what I played. Like, it seems like they have too much wiggle. Like, they go side to side a little bit as you're pressing on the face buttons. And also, the buttons are smaller in width, but they still have the same amount of squish as, like, the Pro Controller does. Not into it. The membrane to, like, size of button is just a a bad ratio. So, if I'm comparing it to something like an SNES controller where the buttons are a lot bigger... But they go. They have a shorter throw, so your 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 press is a lot more precise. Right. I'm fine with that kind of squishiness in a controller. But the pro controller is just on the fence there, where it's not great, but it's fine. And I think the switch light is just a little bit below that, where it's not as as good as the the pro controller personally. And the D pad, like you said, it's okay. It's it's a lot better than the the pro controller D pad. Like you're not gonna get the weird miss inputs probably. Like if you're Leaf and you're playing Tetris 99. Six hours a day. All <laughs> right. But even then, personally, I am fine with the split on the Joy-Cons because the way I use the buttons is I, I don't slide across. I've talked about this before. I just press the button. So it's nice to be able to like, I want to go left three, three spaces and I just press the button three times. And that like works really well for me. It has a really good tactility to it. And I love the, the, the clicky buttons. The clicky. Wish the Switch Lite had the clicky buttons, dude. It's why the SP is better than the Game Boy Advance. It's why the DS, the OG DS is better than the DS Lite. Those clicky buttons are fucking god tier. Here's the thing, though. The DS Lite and the original Game Boy Advance have firmer buttons and D-pads than the Switch Lite. Yeah. When that's like, ooh, that's rough. That's like a, that's rough territory, how fucking, how mushy it is. I think the face buttons on the Game Boy Advance are bigger also. They are. The oh, D-pad's yeah. probably smaller. D-pad in the Game Boy Advance is tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. But and it's not mushy and it's not clicky. It's firm. It's got a firm... It, it definitely... Uh, but it's not that really, really short travel firm click. God, what's that? What's that? Uh, what's the term for keyboards where it's the... Where you're pressing, it's the resistance and then it, it, it finally pushes through and it actually activates. Like that on the Game Boy Advance is a lot better than the, the DS... Or, uh, <laughs> actuation yeah the actuation point is a lot yeah is a lot firmer on the game boy advance i wish there was a a stronger delineation between i'm pressing i'm pressing i'm pressing it pressed right as opposed to it's just like pushing it in and then the button is touched like there's no actuation point it's just really mushy yep get stronger membranes nintendo come on spend a buck (laughs) what's the thing is you really had to cut down the fucking 
contact pads that you put in the bottom of these things to save yourself the 10 cents, you <laughs> cheap bastards? Really? But but it's a cute device. I would rather have better buttons than have the ability to output the TV. Well, what else have you been playing? You got anything new besides... Uh, Besides uh, Zelda? Well, I need to get back to Fire Emblem and actually finish that. that yeah, up. you do. But I was on such a strong Zelda kick after I finished Awakening Sunday morning that I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and play the Oracle games. So I hopped on Twitch and I started streaming Oracle of Ages. Yeah, you did. And Yeah, man. It's, it's such a trip, especially coming right off of the Switch remake of a Game Boy game. Going back to it, not the same Game Boy game, but one like based on the same engine, a lot of the same sprites, and like uh, the design of Link is like the exact same. And it's just really nice, and it translates so well. Like you get the Rock's Feather first, I'm pretty sure in, in Oracle of Ages. Similar, I don't think I don't know if you get it. You get the the Power Bracelet first, right? I don't in, know uh, Link's Awakening, but oh no, I got the I got the uh, I got the powder and then the feather first. So similar, and just like the way they design the dungeons, I think is a lot more creative actually in uh, Oracle of ages, a lot harder. I've spent a lot more time playing this game so far as far as like where I'm at in it. Sure. Cause I played for about four hours and um, I just started the third dungeon. So this game is an eight dungeon game. Like <laughs> most Zelda games are. So if that has any indication of it, then this is going to be like a 15 to 20 hour experience. You, uh, you went live on Twitch uh, it's uh, Presh Till Death on Twitch there, folks. You can go check out a, uh, Nick's stream, actually, is is still up. Yeah, throw me a follow. When you when you announced this, uh, that you were going live, I was at a day spa with my fam, bam, and I was getting my feet rubbed, and so I couldn't, like, listen, but I, I peeped in. I, I peeped in for a little bit, saw what you were doing. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check it out when I get out of here. So, and because I was going to sit there and just creep on you without sound for a while, but I couldn't log into my Twitch. And I remember having this problem a while ago and then just forgetting about it. I was like, ah, fucking, I got to go reset my password, whatever. I will later. So my email is no longer associated with my username and my password has changed, even though my last pass has not changed and I use last pass for everything. So if I've updated a password, it automatically will populate in my last pass. Did you make a Twitch account before they got bought by Amazon? Oh, yeah, years and years ago. I wonder if there was like a weird thing where they tried to merge accounts and like that didn't work or you have a different email than you do on right. Amazon. So account. I tried because I realized once upon a time when I was trying to link my Amazon to my Twitch, this was maybe last year. I was logging to my mom's Amazon account. She has a business account and I was buying some shit and I remember trying to link the two and I realized, oh shit, this just linked to my mom's account. So I like, I don't remember if I undid that or whatever. I, I can't even remember. So I'm sitting there in this day spa with my mom and I'm like, so I tried her email. I'm like, mom, if you get a weird email from Twitch, let me know. And I explained to her, like, I think I accidentally attached your Amazon to my account, yada, yada. She never got anything either. I've done multiple password requests. I've, you know, all this shit. And I've never gotten an email from Twitch. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I finally opened a support request days ago haven't heard anything until just now at 3:59 it's now currently uh, uh 4:06 p.m. at 3:59 i get an email from twitch my email to them was i cannot log in my email is no longer associated with my username i get this fucking email nick that says hi ej i'm so sorry for the delayed response and understand that it's frustrating for you to have been waiting so long 
If you no longer need help, that's great news. This ticket is closed. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> you haven't said shit to me yet. What do you mean it's closed? So I fucking responded. We tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? So I just sent a message and I was like, here's my username, here's my email, here's my birthday. Fucking fix my goddamn Twitch account. Was it the e-jiggle with the one yeah, in there? Yeah, e-jig one e. So I tried to just make a new account with my 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 real email that used to be associated with this account, but obviously e-jig one e is taken and e-jiggle is taken by some dickhead who's been defunct for five years. So that's really fucking frustrating. That piece of shit. I have e-jiggle everywhere that I frequent except for Xbox and Twitch. And I guess that's saying something because fuck both of them. <laughs> so whatever. So you can't be e-jiggle on Mixer either? Dang, dude. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucked. Well, I gotta tell you, man, the overlay you had on Twitch was adorable. You had this Game Boy overlay, so, so it looks like this giant Game Boy color on screen, turquoise, of course, with the game playing on it. But like you found this gorgeous frame of this fucking Game Boy with the scratched up screen. It was just so subtle. Great texture. I was like, this looks so fucking good. What I actually ended up doing too was uh, isolating the scratched up screen and like doing an overlay to go over the image of the, the emulator. That's fine. So that it even looked like it was actually on the Game Boy. That's great. I, just, I was just having some fun with it, you know, playing around, trying to trying to do stuff. I was trying to get like, I don't know if I because obviously I'm like a stream noob. So I was trying to find like a, a way to inject the stream chat into the video. So like people watching the VOD didn't actually have to have the chat pulled up as well. Right. I had Max and Andrew in there. We're just shooting the shit talking. So that so that was a lot of fun. That was entertaining. Even had some guy pop in and, and make a comment about one of the guys being like a, a nerdy Gary Oak. Because he was just like, he would just run in. He was like your, your hint system basically. He was like, I'm just trying to save Nairu. But... If you're looking for a weird guy, you should look over here. Okay, bye. And then just like sprinted away. That was really kind of funny. <laughs> Thanks, Samson. That's Professor Oak's cousin, not Gary Oak's cousin. You dipwit. <laughs> Fuck off, bitch. <laughs> it's all the same shit. <laughs> you dipwit. Who's the dipwit now, Nick? <laughs> it's me. It's me. I messed it up. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shit, man. I could have had greatness. I was this close. A <laughs> couple of last little things before we wrap this up. Nothing nothing huge. Uh, State of Play was today, Tuesday the 24th. I didn't watch it. All I saw was the Last of Us stuff, which we can chat about real quick. But was there anything else they talked about that we really need to know or care about? It was a lot of indies. Yeah, okay. And then like a Call of Duty thing. Yeah, okay. Whatever. And like a medieval demo. And then Last of Us. A lot of people were, were thinking that they we're going to see a new Batman game from WB Montreal. You know, the everyone's favorite Batman game came from them. So they're all stoked about this one for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, no one, everyone hated <laughs> Arkham Origins. It's not even included in any of the bundles for the Batman games. Really funny. That's funny. But everyone's freaking out because Court of Owls, like Scott Snyder retweeted it or something. Yeah, I saw but that the other That's night. probably going to be revealed soon. It might have already happened for all I know. I haven't checked Twitter. Last of Us is the only thing people were talking about. It got official right. release date. 221.20, so just a few short months away. When did they announce this? 2016? Ooh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. We maybe 2016. Yeah. Was it that PSX where they had the guitar? Yeah, the guitar I clip? think so. And you and I talked, we were speculating. I'd love to go back and find out what we predicted. Because I was like, you're not seeing this game until 2020 at least, right? And and so I'd be curious to what we both had said and if we had predicted later dates. Like, it's going to be 2022 game. Took him seven years to make the last one or whatever. You know what I mean? You know, and I've I followed a couple of, is it Neil Druckmann? 
Is he the yeah. um, CEO? He's like the creative director, I think. Yeah, whatever he is. Um, I've seen his tweets talking about, you know, I remember when they wrapped the all the mocap and you know, it's it's the two actors with tears in their eyes and the bottle of champagne or whatever. And he's like, this is the most ambitious mocap video game ever. This Whatever. I'm, I'm curious. I'm just curious. And they talked about it again, you know, like, oh, we needed more time to get this right. You know, it, it's such a massive scale. And I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm curious. The trailer did not reveal much. It was. Yeah, did you watch the trailer? I did. It was like, all okay. right, here's Ellie doing that, things. The beginning of that trailer, I was like, God, this is cornballs hell. Yeah, I just was <laughs> like, all right, you know who they are, where they're coming from. No, not even that. Just the, if you had a radar kiss last night on a scale from one to 10, what would you put <laughs> in that? God, who wrote this? It's like totally like old ass straight dudes writing for a fucking 19 year old lesbian. Like, I'm a lesbian teen. Yeah, I'm like, bro, you all had the wrong writers in that fucking room. Oh, yeah. oh my God. That's pretty funny. But I thought her her reaction to it was really good, but she's just like, you know, just like making a weird face like, uh. Yikes. <laughs> anyway, she's not living is the thing. Yeah. Probably. That's the thing. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how this goes. You know, there have been all these rumors or speculation rather about, oh, Joel is dead and this is this is her revenge plot. He's at least alive in the game at some point, though, because they actually showed him looking grizzled as hell. Right. But, I, but uh, you know, it was like, oh, initially it was, oh, he's going to be a flashback and you're going to see all these interactions. But now he's dead and there's this whole going to be this big reveal, whatever. A character dying in The Last of Us? I would be surprised. The thing that made that game work was their relationship. This was one of the few games where the story and the character interactions and the performance was like, everything was there and it all worked so well. If only the rest of it was good. Yeah, the game plays a little, yeah. I mean, if you don't like cover shooters, you're not going to like The Last of Us. You know, it's like, if we're not getting those interactions or if you're only getting like weird flashbacks, like that's just, I don't know if I trust you guys enough to, to pull that off. It just seems like you're getting rid of the one thing that really made your game work. You know, what would have otherwise been a very mediocre game. Yeah. And is Ellie an interesting character without her being like this young girl that you're just trying to save? Right. She's anything but a, a MacGuffin with an attitude. Like what's her personality? Lesbian. <laughs> that's I, yeah, I that's guess. about as far as they've gone with her. Like, I mean, they had that DLC. It's such like, it's so funny. Like it's just trying to make certain people clutch their pearls and other people applaud and say yes queen like it's like it's very shallow you just write something good you know what i mean yeah the dlc was shallow is the exact word for it it was not very good but this game it's it's likely gonna be great you know again seven years in the making i have zero doubt it'll be very impressive people yeah people will definitely love it it'll be like game of the year conversation i mean obviously i mean i'm i don't want to try and like sound like i'm detracting it any more than I have to. Like, I just know that it's not for me, but it is like visually very impressive what they've, what they've done, what they've accomplished. I, you know, it's, it's actually funny. Obviously the combat's really different, but I'm like, God of War is like basically the last of us. <laughs> like it's basically like it's spoopy and nerve puzzles and you're fighting things, but the combat's a lot more engaging than a fucking, you know, survival horror cover shooter. I think they're very, they're both similar in that they both are very good case studies for you're playing as this guy who's not very likable, but they have to make him someone that you're rooting for. Right. Which I think they both accomplished pretty well. It's similar to like how Breaking Bad is so interesting because Walter White isn't a good guy and you don't want to like him, but you're still 
kind of rooting for him. Like you want him to succeed because what he's doing is interesting in like a, a plot sense. Well, you eventually get to a point with, with Walter White that you're like, fuck this guy. But at first it, it's so hey tough. Man, because, I never stopped rooting for him. Well, <laughs> what does that say about me? Here's the thing though. I started rooting for him for different reasons. Like I was rooting for him. Like, Hey, you need to make shit right with Jesse. And like, so then you're rooting for him to go fucking kill these Nazis. Right. But you're like, I don't fucking care about Heisenberg. Like fucking shoot his ass. That was probably the weakest part of the series for me though. Jumped around a lot around the end there. They definitely should have done a, a, a full season. There could have been another season, but at that point, you know, you could have kept that going for way too long. So I'm glad that it ended shortly. It ended very well, though. It, I agree that maybe some pacing issues, but it ended very well. A lot of fan service, but fan service is good if you do it interestingly, right? Like it's like like you want people to buy your art. You want to please the people who are consuming it. Breaking Bad ended. Did you feel like that story was resolved? Did you feel like that was a satisfactory ending? How do you feel about there being a movie in like two weeks? So, and then relate that back to Last of Us. Did you beat The Last of Us? I did. You saw the ending? I did. How did you feel that wrapped up that story? Do you think it's necessary for there to be a part two? Is Ellie an interesting character to follow? Is Jesse an interesting character to follow? His arc was done. Like, why would you keep following him? Was Did Ellie have an arc? Or was it Joel's arc? And Ellie was just this sort of, MacGuffin that was utilized throughout the arc to illustrate his personal struggles. Sure. I would say it's so to answer both your questions, I was satisfied with both endings. It made sense artistically, like, all right, that's the conclusion of the story. In Last of Us, like, there is no cure, and you could give Ellie up and she's going to basically be murdered for no reason, or you can continue just living your life. And yeah, they have lives to live. They're probably going to be around for 10, 20, 30, 40 more years. What do they do in that time? I don't know. But artistically, poetically, that's a great way to end. They go off together to like start their new lives together, basically. Breaking Bad, again, it ends with Walter White's comeuppance. Jesse is set free. And it's very poetic in that way. However, there's more to that story. Like Jesse escapes, but he's got enemies to deal with. And he's got the government looking for him. And he's got this PTSD. Like There are clearly questions. And whenever there are questions when something wraps up, especially if it wraps up well, people always respond with, well, it's our, it answered the questions it needed to. We don't need to know what happens to Jesse next. The point is he was freed. Well, what the fuck happened to Jesse after the guy he's been working with for fucking years dies in a gunfight with a bunch of Nazis, and now he's the only living guy to this whole fucking network of crimes? Like, there's such a story there. Same with The Last of Us, you know? I don't know. What happened before? Well, Better Call Saul. Fucking phenomenal series. What happened before? This is what's happening before. It's great. There being a question doesn't necessitate there being a good story before. What happened to old Ben Kenobi before he uh, met Luke on Alderaan? They were on Tatooine, not Alderaan. Here's the thing. We always want more good content. So if there are questions and you can answer those in a good way, Nick, any excuse, any excuse to, to... get some new good content. Of course, the movie could suck and then everyone will cry, we didn't need this. We didn't need another... But it ended so perfectly. But if this movie goes on to win a motherfucking Oscar, everyone's going to be happy we got this much more Breaking Bad. They can't win an Oscar. It's not appearing in theaters. They changed some of those rules and like, it wasn't like Guillermo del Toro bitching about it or someone was bitching about it. No, it wasn't del Toro. It was... Um, oh, fuck. Who was it? Someone was complaining about it. It was a Netflix movie. Like I think Bright, maybe, or something... Some dumb movie on Netflix got was eligible for awards. I don't know. Something got changed and it was a controversy. But anyway, whatever. If it turns out to be this phenomenal movie, everyone will be happy that we got more. If The Last of Us turns out to be an amazing game, 
everyone's going to be stoked that we got more Last of Us. If it totally fucking bombs, everyone will start, you know, this revisionist history as if this wasn't this monumental announcement four years ago. You know, so it's, it's it really comes down to just making good art and being true to what you created, you know, and that's, it's possible to do. It's just so many times these franchises, these characters get pimped out and they make trash, you know? Yeah, I just don't want it to have a, a chilling effect where it diminishes the impact of the original story. Sure. That story that you give so many shits about. We don't want Game of Thrones season eight. You know, that's uh, what we don't want. That's like the nuclear fucking option. Or six, dude. seven, eight. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it can totally tarnish what was originally great about it if it doesn't land. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just okay. thought I would bring that up because I thought that was a pertinent sort of comparison. Yeah. Last thing on my list here is this thing that you brought up with me, Nick, right before we started recording. And I found this very interesting is that a French court ruled that uh, uh, those who buy games through Steam actually own that game and can essentially uh, they have no authorized like resell digital copies of games. So, so I brought pulled up this article because I don't know much about this other than this article I, I pulled up. It's kind of a kind of a trip, dude. Yeah, and just at service level, that sort of statement only raises further questions. You know. Because this is France, so I don't know if they are under the same, like, DMCA. Is that just a U.S. thing? Or digital media and, like, rights yeah, uh, associated it. with that and, like, consumer protections have always been really, really weird and, like, un- I, I don't know how it works, really. Yeah, it's, it's just all U.S. law, and a lot of them are fucking obtuse and stupid and protect the wrong people. So this is interesting. I wonder what this actually means and how this is going to... I mean, Valve's going to appeal the ruling, obviously. They, they, they don't agree. Uh, this obviously directly affects their bottom line if other people... I mean, it's completely And also, what does things. it mean for, for France to say that users can sell their games? How would you sell a game? That's actually a really good point. Are they going to force Steam to implement like a method for you to do in Steam? Would it be that, th- that Steam would rebuy it from you? Would it be like... Hey, GameStop, you're not allowed to uh, set the prices for games that you buy from your store. Like, it seems really weird, right? So th- it's kind of like how, you know, the courts ruled that, like, Nintendo wasn't allowed to not refund games and they forced Nintendo to follow these laws. It's a similar thing. So if this actually gets pushed through and the appeal doesn't go through, I imagine they are going to have to facilitate this method. What I would imagine it would be is that. Steam just has to change the ruling that you can sell your account because I don't know how Mm. else it would work because what Steam basically is is a service a free service that you subscribe to that allows you to attach digital codes to your account so then you can access them from different places like if I downloaded Steam on my mom's laptop and logged in with my account I could play all the games that I bought through Steam right right so I don't own those games I own the licenses to those games through Steam so how can how is Val preventing me from selling them? I just can't sell them because I can't sell my account. So because that's like part of their rules, like they can ban you if you try doing that. Right, which is why though that's that's a dumb way of of doing it. If you buy a, a physical game, I can give it to a friend, I can let a friend borrow it, I can sell it. And that's why when the whole Xbox the DRM thing it was this whole thing, it was no, we should have the right to do what we want with the things that we have purchased. Well, you don't own it, you own the license to it. No, fuck you. I've given you sixty hard-earned dollars, I'm going to do what I goddamn want with this game. Um, it's different than doing something with the IP. 
right? I'm not doing anything with intellectual property. Like I'm not taking your characters and profiting off of them. I'm selling a physical item that I bought. I own this thing and I don't want to own it anymore. I deserve to be able to just like any other secondhand market. It's obviously different with digital shit, but I'm all for it changing in favor of the consumer. All for it. I just wonder how that would be implemented. Like, I think right I now can't, it's, I can't see anyone enforcing these these stores to make it a thing that you can do in the store. Like you're not going to be putting it into a marketplace adjacent to the PSN because that's directly competitive, like competing with their own sales. Well, maybe they maybe they it, will. it would it would totally nuke like digital sales in general, because you would just wait a week until someone else had beaten it and buy it from them for whatever price they set it to. Like, do you set the price? If you sell it, are you getting all the money from that sale or is it split still between the platform holder and the uh, original, like the publisher of the game? How does this all, like how would it work? I imagine it's just going to be a licensing thing. It'd be like, it's like steam keys. Like right now people buy up steam keys and they sell them before they are claimed. Right. And they sell them for cheaper or whatever. You know, you get them yeah, on sale. And they do and you, that because it's stolen Steam keys and it ends up negatively affecting the publishers and developers. Right, right. Totally agree. So I think that's why Valve would want to fight. Well, Valve wants to fight it for a lot of reasons, obviously. But that, that's like the biggest thing is you're enabling this like shady market. But I imagine it'll be as simple as like if someone doesn't want this anymore, they can literally take the key that you can, you know, that key is still that, that information is accessible and you can just sell that key and it's no longer accessible on your thing. But that that is a whole other can of worms of like systems in place to, you know, the DRM, like lifting the DRM on this thing, but ensuring that like, oh, if you actually sell the key and someone downloads that key, that it's no longer accessible here. And then what happens if that key gets leaked and 9 million people download the damn thing and it's just like turning on and off on all these different people's machines, right? Because like, you know what I mean? Like it's a whole fucking nightmare can of worms. But I think the ruling is one, uh, one step closer to like, again being more consumer friendly like steam has only thrived because of how unfriendly the digital market is to the consumer the way that a physical market is but that's just the way we're going and so i don't know but but against a law that they can find them uh it's like three three thousand euros a day uh for up to six months so really nothing, nothing for Val. <laughs> yeah nothing yeah i i think i did some uh some quick like you know napkin math and that's like half a million dollars that's chump change, dude. Yeah, it's nothing, <laughs> especially for Valve. But yeah, I just thought it was—it's uh, interesting. I feel like it's not actually going to do anything. They'll appeal. They'll probably win their appeal because this seems like you can't enforce this. <laughs> like, like yeah. there's literally nothing in place to to, be, to give you the ability to be able to sell your digital things. Oh it's man, weird. yeah. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Maybe we'll have a little update is, for you next it time. My, it put my mind in action, put the gears turning about like what what would the implementation actually be. I feel like the most not reasonable but like realistic sort of thing would be a just straight across the board valve would be like a buyback system, right? Where it'd be a sliding scale depending on how long you've owned it. Where it'd be like if you sell it after your first day, you get. 90% of what you spent on it back versus sure. if you sold it a month or later, then you get like 50% off. If you get, you know, if you sell it after three months, then cause that would give you an incentive to like give up the rights to this game, but you're still 
uh, paying money for the for the product initially, right? And you're not you're not lowering the price. You're not directly competing with Valve on their own service. There's no way you'd be able to do that. It's already weird enough that you can. Another question: How does this work for DLC or just downloadable content in general? If you're being microtransactioned out the ass, can you sell your hats from your goddamn Rocket League car? You should be able to. I mean, Valve allows it on their first party stuff. You sell your weird crap from, you know, Counter Strike. But that makes it even sketchier. That's like the one thing that would make a uh, loot box into actually gambling. Because if your thing has real monetary value, then it's literally gambling. (laughs) Well, see, well, I disagree. It has monetary value now because to get this thing, you have to spend real money. And it's a gamble. You can't just like go to the store and say, I'm going to buy this piece of content. It doesn't have monetary value because you can't sell it. I guess it doesn't have monetary value to you, but it has monetary value to the person who's giving it to you. You're you're paying them for it, like it's the same thing. You're just paying a, a corporate entity, not a person. I would say it it would it would make loot boxes moot if there was a third party or a third you know a, mar- a, a secondary market where, like, oh yeah, I got this rare loot that I don't give a shit about in this loot box that I didn't have to pay for. I'm gonna sell it. Well, then that's that player no longer has an incentive to go give fucking Blizzard all their money for loot boxes. So it it, it would, I think that would help. To make like fuck the gambling laws, like they're fucking dumb anyway. We don't want your kids to gamble. Fuck you. Like it's a fucking video game. But it, by 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 implementing as laws that would enable a secondary market, you're 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 rendering the bullshit practice of fucking loot boxes completely moot. You're you're just taking cash from these dickheads, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it is. Tr- it turns into this weird speculative market that like collectible card games fall victim to where it turns into the people supplying this digital currency can change the value of the thing on the fly. Like they can reprint and like ban magic cards, but they can't change what you already own, but they can change what you already own in a game where you spent money on this thing and it's really good. Or like you say you, you spin the wheel and you get this cool gun in a game and then you sell it in the secondary market because it's worth a lot because a lot of people are using it. And then they nerf the gun and that tanks the value of the thing that someone else spent real money on and they can't sell it for real money anymore because it's not worth anything. Like that, yeah. that just turns into, okay. a, it would just be constant drama and like sketchy business practices a hundred percent of the time where yeah. like, Oh, we just released the thing. So everything's going to be really good. So we get people to spend a lot of money on it and then we're going to nerf it all to hell. So it's not worth anything in the secondary market afterwards. Sure. It's just, it's really weird. I don't like the idea of your digital properties being like having a real value because you're paying for personally i think you're paying for the like it's just convenient to be able to download it right and experience it for me being able to like sell it back especially if it's a digital thing like you don't have anything it's just that you played it and you don't want to play it anymore but that's like akin to i saw this movie and I want to return the ticket because I already saw the movie. Like you can't return the ticket. You saw the movie. That's what you paid for. You paid for playing the game. That's what you got. You got to play the game. You don't get to own the game because you don't have the little case that it came in. So you can't like let a friend borrow it. You can't sell it. So it's just this weird sort of people. Obviously you want to have some entitlement because you're a consumer and you spend a shit ton of money on this thing. It's just, I don't understand why digital copies of games cost as much as they do. That's comparatively that's the thing. to physical media. Like, that's the you thing. Should it's not worth as much because you can't sell it. You're just playing it. Yep. But but for some reason, the physical market is way cheaper. Way cheaper. A lot of the times. It depends. It's not on the Switch, but... 
Well, that's what we get for being stands for these cartridges that cost too much to. I don't produce. know, man. I just bought I, I bought a handful of Switch games, like Nino Kuni, Yoshi. Um, I bought a U.S. copy of the Kingdom Battle. I bought like Toad. Like I spent nothing, dude. Best Buy had this crazy sale on all this shit. Plus my twenty percent GCU discount. Psh, in out, dude. Yeah, but I mean GCU is discontinued, so there's not going to be any new people getting that service. Two more years for me. And I'm going to take full are, advantage of it. Did you get yours sorted out? I'm waiting for an email. They said three to five business days. Mm, I see. To potentially get it reattached. For for like another two years or for just... Yeah, it would be until uh, June 2021. Dude, <laughs> that's so clutch. 20, that's yeah, a lot. Nice. That adds up. I got to tell you. It really does. Especially if you're buying as many unnecessary games as you and I do. Yeah, totally. So I came to your house on Saturday, right? And we we shared a nice little uh, little Thai meal. We were both a little, little tired, you know, a little tired, you know, but we hung, oh, we hung out, we ate some food, but I was sitting at your place. I was thumbing through Nintendo Force magazine and oh my I'd God. Also, I, 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 uh, I, I double checked and I'm pretty sure my first issue was, must've been like April or March of uh, 2018 because I'm pretty sure it was the Labo issue. Bummer. So you know what I did? So I fell in love with the magazine instantly. I'm like, this is great. This is all the nostalgia. So I went on their website to see if I could buy some back issues. And some of the issues were reasonable. Like issue number one was perfectly reasonably priced. Fire emblem. I'm like, oh, I'll pick that up. Let's take a look. I was like, maybe I just buy them all. It started in 2012, right? 2013. I was like, maybe I'll just buy them all. But I was like, oh, some of them are sold out. Some of them are like 30 bucks. I'm like, I ain't spending 30 bucks on a magazine. So I was like, you know what? This this is just a cool, fun collectible. I think this would be a fun way to commemorate the Switch's lifespan. So I I bought all of the Switch era Nintendo Force, and I subscribed on Patreon. Did those come with all the um, the inserts and like the posters and stuff? I don't know. I'm assuming they're brand new sealed copies. The way they go out to patrons, mm-hmm. um, they're just so. I imagine if that's all bundled in one, you know, poly sleeve, like it's all there. But magazines are a very nostalgic thing for me. Uh, anyway, I was subbed to so many magazines growing up and I was reading this and I was just like, this is so fucking, there's like a very distinct feeling of like sitting on the toilet as a 10 year old kid reading a magazine. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, this That's is great. That's the way you got a lot of exposure to a lot of games that you would never end up playing, but you'd sort of get like a secondhand experience from. Yeah. So, so I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to become a patron and then I'm just going to go through. And it was like, I mean, I don't know, a couple bucks an issue. So I just went through and picked up all 20, whatever and I think I also picked up the like Fire Emblem one and the Mother Three one just for was shits that and for giggles. The Mother Ten Year Anniversary, I'm guessing. Yes, I believe it was. Or maybe that was when they did the uh, Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound. Uh, maybe, on maybe, yeah. Wii U, which was 2015, I think. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. So that was. So that was. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pick them up just to you know something to thumb through. They're fun little collectibles, and again, it's like Nintendo Power and Nintendo consoles are so hand in hand, and this is such a cool like legacy to carry on. Obviously Nintendo power discontinued in 2012 um, and Nintendo force being this fan, it was a Kickstarter project and this fan made thing. And it's really grown. I was reading all about it and I was like, so anyway, thank you for, for introducing me to this magazine that yeah, I, I've shown I, it to you before. You've thumbed through it before. Yeah. It was very, this vague thing, but I was going through it. And I don't know what it was. That's why I actually, I had that, uh, that had that issue out was like, I think EJ's going to be coming over. He'd probably get a kick out of this. Boy, did issue I just like the other day. Boy, did I, yeah, and I've got, um, you know, they come with a lot of uh, printed material as like, well, usually it's a poster, double-sided, where you can choose between like the two big releases or whatever. Sure. So I've, I've been putting up my um, posters that I've been getting. 
I've got a wall basically that's uh, my closet wall, so yeah. it's going to be like a little backdrop kind of kind of sure. situation there. Your your room's getting cozier by the week. Every time I come over, it's a little more you know yours. You know, yeah, man. This is my domicile. I like it. It's it very cozy, and I was sad to only have spent three hours over there. I was like, I just need to come do this for a whole week. Yeah, weekend. you caught me in a weird day. I was in a time warp, you know? No, yeah, your sleep goes all fucked, and I get it. And I, I had been sleeping on the couch for a week, so we were just kind of like, bah. It's all good. I had a good, good, nice little din dinner. Din dinner? What did I fucking say? Din dinner. I've, for context here, I have been up for, I got up at 4 a.m. today. It's 5 p.m. now. I feel like a fuck shit stack. So I'll be looking forward very much to ordering some some food here and um, go to uh, bed. Dude. I got to edit this fucking podcast, but then go to bed. I will be going to bed at some point. <laughs> Presumably. I mean, I was actually considering uh, doing another stream tonight. Dude, if you do that, I will totally watch you while I edit our podcast. That'd be that'd be real nice. That'd be real nice. Yeah, you can hop in, hop in the chat and contribute to my road to being an affiliate. Oh, I'll give you some bits or clinks or whatever the fucking called. Well, you can't, I, I can't, uh, make money on Twitch until I've done the prerequisites. It's like you have to stream on seven different days. You have to have right. an average of, uh, more than three viewers, that kind of stuff. That's silly and dumb. Hey man, I had an average of 3.3 or something viewers on my last stream. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Some people popped in some randos. You need those randos in your life. I'm ordering pho right now, which I have not had in a long time, Nick. Been eating better. Um, Sarah's been cooking a lot. And so... Using that sous vide? You know, not not lately, actually. Do have some chicken, man. Do some, like, meal prep. Do some chicken. Do some, like, nice brown rice. I should. Some veggies I should. going. Dude, it was great. I mean, like I said, woke up at 4 a.m. today, and it, was, it just was terrible. But I, I ate some leftover pot roast and some taters. Um, it was a very nice, nice little meal. I was like, all right, I can eat four. It was so weird, dude. 4 a.m. is a weird hour because for most of my adult life, 4 a.m. is 4 like my nighttime. True hour. Well, that's my nighttime. That's like, all right. I, I used to work graveyard, but even when I, when I got off the graveyard schedule, my first three years at college, my schedule was essentially like go to bed at 5 a.m., wake up at 11, 12 or one, go to classes for four to six hours and then have all night. Like that was my schedule. So it was weird when I got a nine to five fucking job and I had to readjust and be an adult. And like I really miss that fucking 4 a.m., 5 a.m. hour. So getting up at four felt like it's still nighttime and I'm eating pot roast for breakfast. So it's like dinner time. And I went outside and it was dark and quiet. And it was just this, it was that feeling. I'm like, I'm very familiar with this time and I miss it a lot. <laughs> yeah, 4 a.m. is a good time. Yeah. I hate hearing birds at like three. It's like, Fuck that. what are you doing? Fuck sir? off, assholes. <laughs> Go to bed. Please. <laughs> Aye. Well, anyway, Console Crusade Podcast. Follow us. Uh, Twitter at Console underscore Crusade. Again, I ain't going to tweet till you tweet at us, motherfuckers. I'm Eddie I'm never going to tweet on that account until we get the real Console Crusade. Oh, my God. What a... Some banned person is just hogging that username, and I'm just... Well, I check it every now and then. I'm like, well, Twitter's never going to clear their backlog, and we're not nearly important enough to force them to, so we're right. screwed. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, I, again, uh, am... At eJiggle, this is at Preshtal Death. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up. And uh, Twitch, yeah. Twitch.tv slash Preshtal Death. Oh, Preshtal Death. Go watch this boy. You need to get a stream schedule so people know when to come find you every you know Tuesday, Thursday at uh, 
uh, 7 Boy, p.m. there's no way I am doing this on a schedule. I'll have you know. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're on tonight, I will absolutely never, watch. If I'm not making money off it, and if I'm not like having a great time chatting with my boy, there's no way I'm getting on a schedule. I mean, what are, what's our schedule? We can't even get a schedule, and I enjoy talking to you. Hey. I enjoy playing video games, but I'm not going to schedule it. It's a hobby. All right? <laughs> I'll try and tweet out like an hour ahead. If you want to follow me on Twitter and check out when I'm actually going to stream, then by all means, I'll try and be good about pimping out my my URL when it's <laughs> valuable. Right, right. Well, we're uh, we're doing the thing, Concert Crusade.